As we continue to worship, I'm here to, to preach today, and uh, on this Mother's Day, a text that isn't usually chosen, I'm sure, about a lady who had lost her husband and literally lost everything, but there are lessons for every person. We worship the Lord of the universe, not Hallmark, and so as a pastor, I realize that uh, we're here to honor and uh, cherish our moms. I do as well. I just texted her because I forgot. So during something this morning, even during the worship service, forgive me, but you're not my mom. I had to text her and tell her I loved her before she went to church. And she sent a text back, and I read it. You're right, right in church, just like you do. And she said, I love you too. But we'll get to that after a while. This particular passage sets a scene of uh, some really big predicament for a lady in the Old Testament. We don't know her name. We know that it's part of a series of... uh, issues or even miracles that God is going to do, meeting people's needs. Uh, The Shunammite woman is right after this text in 2 Kings chapter 4. But the first seven verses that were read for us today beg some questions from the text, if you will, that are applicable to all of us today. And this particular scene, she's lost her husband. She's about to lose her sons, which actually are her terms of being able to make a living because in her day, I didn't write the rules, but in her day, she wasn't allowed to work outside the home. She wasn't allowed to earn money in a reputable kind of profession. It was something where she was stuck. She lost her husband. She'd lost that income. She was about to lose her sons because they had a lot of debt and they had to pay off their debtor and uh, the one that they were in debt to. And uh, the only way that they could do that was, it says in the Old Testament, in the English text anyway, to send them into slavery for who knows how long, which actually is that they would be able to go and work for the lender and pay off the debt and then eventually come home. But we don't know how long that is. And she goes to the holy man, Elisha. She goes to the prophet of God, who is the representative of God in her day, and she asks him for help. It's a great question to be able to go to God today and ask him for help. But there's some questions that I believe are in this text that we could learn from this morning. Things that she did. Things that she subjectively submitted herself to. And things that she believed for. And even things that she obeyed with when it came down to following a life If you want to, of a godly woman out of the Old Testament. If you want to, a godly person in the Old Testament. If you want to, a godly person who is in need of the Old Testament. Whatever the application is for you today, would you consider the truth of the Lord in your life as he ministers to you through his spirit this morning? The first question that is asked out of this text, perhaps, is this. Am I desperate for the Lord's help? Am I desperate for the Lord's help? Desperation isn't a word that we want to talk a whole lot about because we want to be self-sufficient today. We teach everyone that you're supposed to be able to depend on yourself and you're supposed to be able to figure things out. And unfortunately, sometimes our titles, even at home, are Mr. and Mrs. Fix-It. Just give it to him, give it to her. They can fix it. But there are times, and frankly, it should be every day of the week where we're on our knees asking God for his help and even being desperate for his help because even if we understand the New Testament instruction, we literally are nothing without God's help. But with God's help, all things are possible. Amen? And so this mode or this posture right out of the box in 2 Kings 4 is that this widow is desperate. Why is she desperate? Because I just told you. 
She lost her income through her husband, who was a godly man and revered the Lord, the company of the prophets. She was desperate because of someone uh, coming now to take her place. Sorry? The battery pack is not on. I don't need a mic. Buddy's desperate. I even need desperate help to turn on a mic. She's desperate because she's about to lose her sons. Her sons are going to be sold off into slavery or at least going off to pay their debts off as a household. And now she goes to Elisha and she says, can you help me? And he asks a question that's a great question for us today. What do you have? What do you have in your house? And she says, all I have is a small jar of olive oil. That's all I've got. There are many people that don't think they have anything. There are some people that literally don't have anything. And they don't know where tomorrow's food's going to come from. They don't know where tomorrow is going, they're going to have enough money to pay bills. There, there are people perhaps in this place and definitely in this neighborhood of this church that this is the predicament that they're in. But do you know, do you know that you can, no matter what you're facing, turn even in desperation to the Lord and ask him for help? I'm glad that we can go to the Lord and ask him for help, aren't you? There's some things in here that she knows about. She knows precisely, the widow knows exactly what she was facing. She was facing her own demise. It doesn't say that, but because of her situation, she was facing her own demise. But, but here's a key. And on this Mother's Day, if I could emphasize this to you, uh, the ladies of the house, especially in this particular context and making the application on this special day for you, she knew precisely where to turn. She knew precisely where to turn. She didn't phone a friend. She didn't go and see a psychic. She literally turned to the person who represented God in her life and asked him for help. Do you know that you can turn to the Lord? And when is the last time that you needed so much help that you cried out to God? So I, I don't know that I want to put God on the spot. I don't know that I want to somehow, you know, make him look bad. I, I, I don't know that I want to maybe even, you know, be presumptuous. Let me, let me encourage you today. God can take any situation and anything that you're facing today, and he can help you. Are you dependent on yourself, or will you be desperate for the Lord's help with any situation that you face, even in the times when you think everything is a-okay? Am I desperate for the Lord's help? The second question that might come out of a text like this is, do I trust in God's provision? Do I trust in his provision? Do I believe that he has the ability to help me with what I need, even when it doesn't look like it's a great situation? Do I trust in his provision? The widow had nothing but a small jar of olive oil. How much did she have? It doesn't say. Let's just pretend that it's six ounces of olive oil. Let's pretend it's really not even as much to, to, that you could cook with. Let's pretend that um, she has this oil, which in the Old Testament always represents God's power, all the way into the book of James in the New Testament, that in his audience said, let them call those who are sick, let them call for the elders of the church, and let them present themselves, and may they be anointed with oil. I don't write the text. Figure it out in your own theology. And their sins will be forgiven, and they will be 
healed. The unction or the power of God is always represented in oil in the Bible. And she has this small jar of olive oil. You could cook with it. You could trade with it. But something else that she could have done with it is to anoint someone's body in death. She probably just did this with her husband. As he died, this person who was a prophet, this person who literally represented God and loved God, she probably was saving it to either anoint her body in death or anoint her son's bodies in death. She really didn't have anything that would bring anybody to life. She perhaps was saving, though, what she had for death, and God wanted to turn it into life. Do you follow it? Do you see it? Do you understand that sometimes we have that rainy day kind of thing? You know, I'm saving that for a bad day, and God wants us to give that for a good day. Do you understand that sometimes we're in a predicament, even in our households, that we don't understand how God's working or maybe just can't see his hand? We can't even trace his goodness in whatever it is that we find, but we can turn over things to God and ask him to bring life out of death. Have you ever been in a situation where you had to completely trust the provision of God? Do you understand that he has what you need? It doesn't say that he has everything that I want him to do, but he has what I need. Uh, I didn't say that he does everything that I want him to do, but he does have what I need. Do I trust in God's provision or do I trust in whatever it is that I think should happen. Even if you have a little bit of God, you have enough. On this Mother's Day, the reason why it's important for me to text my mother who's 85 years old is because when she was carrying me, number six out of six in her line, she was told to abort me by a doctor. They don't know what was wrong. There was something that was causing her health issues, and there was this decision that needed to be made. And so one doctor told her to end my life. The same kind of predicament comes into today's arguments. She had five children. Do you want your five children to have a mother, or do you want your five children to have a little brother? She went to another doctor. The second doctor told, to, told her to abort me. It was the mid-60s, not 2018. She and my father, in desperation, cried out to God that God would not only spare her, but allow this little boy to be a healthy person who would follow God all of his days. They found a third doctor who put my mother on bed rest. Don't get me going on Sanctity of Human Life Sunday in January. The person who sometimes doesn't trust in God's provision could be cutting short the life of someone who might even represent God, perhaps even in a pulpit like this on days to come. Do you trust in God's provision or will you trust in the pronouncement of whatever it is that the predicament is that says that your life is over? I'm living proof of a godly mother who got on her knees with her husband and asked the Lord to spare her life and spare her son's life. And those six children still have a mother today because of it. 
by trusting God's provision. Was it easy? No way. Was that a difficult decision? Absolutely. Did they have a difficult time finding a doctor that would work with my mother? Yes. Have I been the perfect son forever? No. Do you trust in God's provision? This widow did. My mother did. And young lady, older lady, with children biologically or spiritually, so can you. The third question, will I obey? Will I obey? She and her sons begged for every jar they could get their hands on. I don't know what it would be like to you, but even in the Hebrew text, it means that they didn't take no for an answer. They went and they borrowed jars that would have been commodities for them, and they would have been, been consumables for them. They hauled their grain in it. They hauled their oil in it. They traded with it. And, and these weren't just throwaway milk jugs. It would be like me coming to you today. Can I borrow your fifth wheel and your camper and your boat, and I'm not bringing them back? What do you say? I'm not taking no for an answer. I need help today. I need God's work in my life today. I have been instructed to collect every jar possible. I'm going to get as many as I can. And they begged for every jar they could get their hands on. And they went into the room and they shut the door, them, their sons, the lady, the jars. And she started pouring. And she kept pouring. And she kept pouring. It's literally something where she obeyed something, an instruction from Elisha that was ridiculous. It was crazy. My mother said, never say stupid, but she's not here. This was stupid to do this. It doesn't make sense. I, I'm not a mathematician. I'm not even a physicist. But if you take six ounces of olive oil and you collect these jars or better yet, 50-gallon drums, where does it say that? It doesn't. Just join me in the story. You take this six ounces of olive oil and you start pouring it into a 50-gallon drum. I don't think it's rocket surgery. All of a sudden, you have six ounces of olive oil that you pour into a 50-gallon drum. It's a story problem. How much oil do you have? You have six ounces of olive oil, unless God's at work. I tried to convince my seventh-grade math teacher that God knew the answers to story problems better than she did, but anyway... I never was really good at story problems, and I'm not really good at this one either. It doesn't make any sense to me. Six ounces of olive oil poured into a 50-gallon drum is still six ounces of olive oil. Now you can't even get it off the bottom of the drum to use it. Here she is obeying the instruction that had come through the person who represented God to her. The very truth of God, will you obey it? Could it be that in the rational and the ridiculous answer the question, will I obey the Lord? Now, obedience is not a term that is used in our culture anymore. It's something that um, there are a lot of people that don't want to obey. Maybe use it most in uh, obedience school for dogs. I, I don't know. Maybe we need an obedience school for humans. What do you say? Yeah, telling you precisely what to do, telling you at a command precisely how to behave. Some of you parents here today, some of you moms here today say, sign my children up. I'd like to send them to obedience school. I remember doing a uh, wedding rehearsal, and um, we had just gotten done. We would just gotten home. We went to the rehearsal dinner, and I got to tell you something. If you've never been a pastor a test of a pastor's faith is performing or conducting a wedding rehearsal. 
it will bring you to the brink of your salvation. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody knows Heloise personally. Everybody knows precisely where to stand and where to walk to and how that's going to look and all kinds of things. I had a mom one time in the ceremony itself who apparently didn't get etiquette or was trying to make a statement. And right after I asked the groom to kiss the bride and pronounce them husband and wife, she got up and stomped out the church down the center aisle in front of the couple right in the moment when the spotlight and the pictures were supposed to be on them. The picture is her grimacing and the bride and the groom are behind her as they walk out of the church. Amazing. This particular bride at this rehearsal I'm referring to called me at about 11 o'clock that night and she said, I need you to change the Bible. I said, thank you for thinking that I could do that, but I, I, I don't have any authority to do that. Why? Well, I want you to change the text. <laughs> you chose the text. Well, I, I need you to change it. Well, which one? The one about submitting in Ephesians 5, where it says, wives, submit to your husbands, Christ dies for the, for the bride. And that whole passage in Ephesians 5, I need you to change that word submit because I am not, this is what she said, I am not submitting to that clown. What she said. I said, well, I'm grateful that our six months of premarital counseling is paying off at this moment. But. <laughs> then she said, I need you to change the vows. I said, you chose the vows. She said, it says to love, honor, cherish, and obey. I'm not obeying him. I said, listen, it doesn't mean that you submit like, you know, hey, go make me a sandwich, that you have to go make him a sandwich. That's not what that means. And, and if he really demands a hot breakfast, just tell him to have a great time in the kitchen, Bubba. Go light your cornflakes on fire and enjoy your breakfast. It doesn't mean that you're his slave at all. It means that you'll respect somebody if you knew that they were doing what is ever good in your life, that so much so they would give their life for yours. That's what that means. I don't care, Pastor. Change the text and change the vow. It's 11 o'clock on Friday night. I have to mow my yard before the wedding. Maybe I'm the one that's disobedient. I didn't change the text. I can't. I didn't change the vows. Everybody else loved the wedding except the bride. Obedience isn't popular today, but it's needed. Will I submit myself to obeying whatever it is that God asks of me? Or do I call all the shots? Even as an adult, I don't have to obey anybody. Even as an employee, I don't have to obey anybody. Even as a church member, I don't have to obey anybody. Even as a follower of Christ, I don't have to obey anybody. It is the poison of our culture that says I'm in charge instead of God being in charge. Will I obey? And I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you. She obeyed. In the rational and in the ridiculous, will I obey the Lord? Fourth question. Do I have the tenacity to stay focused? Do I have the tenacity to stay focused? What did she do? In verses 5 and 6, she went in and she closed the door and she kept pouring. I don't know if you can feel this at all, but she takes that small jar of olive oil and she pours it into drum after drum after drum of oil, so much so that we find out what she's going to do with it in just a little bit. 
But if you're like me, even though I don't like Facebook a whole lot other than the original Facebook, and that is putting your face into the Word of God, but, but so much so that today, I think after the first barrel is full, you're going to come out of that room, and you're going to start texting, you're going to start tweeting, you're going to start posting, and you're going to say, so this just happened. This just happened. You will not believe. I took six ounces of olive oil and I poured it into a 50-gallon drum. And, I, and, I, and I've got 50 gallons of olive oil. I don't even know how this happened. Look at me. Look at me. It's, it's the trend of our day to somehow help everybody to look at me where we need to be saying, look at what God can do. Not look at what I can do, but look at what God could do as an individual, as a mom, as a dad, as, a, as an individual today in our culture. Look at what God can do. Not look at what I can do as a church. Look at what God can do. Not look at what we can do, will I have the tenacity to stay focused on honoring God or not? She doesn't come out. Why? Because she doesn't have Facebook? I don't know. She doesn't come out. She keeps pouring and pouring and pouring. Do you have the tenacity the grit to stay focused. This day is a very difficult day for my children. They lost their mother four and a half years ago. Not the most pleasant day for me thinking about them, thinking about their mom. A godly person. I encouraged my children this morning in a text, one in Croatia today, one outside of Lexington, Kentucky today, both adults now. Be grateful for the 18 years and the 20, or the 18 years and the 16 years that you had a godly mom. Thankfully, they've been tenacious in their faith. Thankfully, they've picked up on their mother's example. Thankfully, they've stayed the course when the wheels could fall off. Do you have any grit for God? No matter what happens. I understand, but I don't understand because I don't know you. But I, knew, I do know it can be hard. I do know there can be pain. It's part of motherhood, is it not? It's part of being a follower of Christ, is it not? Do you trust him? Are you tenacious in your faith? No matter what happens, I'm going to serve the Lord. This woman pours and pours and pours. She went in and she closed the door. Could it be that God's ridiculous blessings may be directly related to relentless focus? What does that mean? That means sometimes we give up too soon. We, we take things back into our own hands, maybe. Maybe, maybe it's God's not coming through in time, so I'm going to have to pick up the slack here. It could be that we're not experiencing God's blessings even as a church sometimes because we don't continue on in the things that we're supposed to do, things that he instructed us to do in Scripture, things that he is honored by. 
Do you have grit in life and in ministry? Will you continue to trust in God no matter what? Fifth question. Will I keep or give away what God has given me? I think on this day in particular, there are many, many women in our lives who have sacrificed for us. My mother literally sacrificed her life for me. She just happened to live. I can think of my wife sacrificing for her children and getting them things before getting something for herself. It could be something as an individual, a a man, a young woman here, a a single mom here, a, a dad here. Do you keep everything to yourself? Or do you find joy in giving yourself away? It could be as a Christian here today, do you you keep everything because it belongs to you or because it belongs to God and and then I loosely hold it and give it to God? I'm not talking about money necessarily today. I'm talking about whatever you have. You have influence. You have encouragement. You have prayer. I'm thankful for a godly mother who behind her door wasn't pouring oil that I remember, but I remember her crying out to God. She had four sons. I'm one of them. She prayed a lot. I can still hear her crying behind her door, God save my sons, sacrificing her time, sacrificing her wants, and giving her boys to God. Funny thing is, she didn't pray for my two sisters, only those boys. All she had was a small jar of olive oil, and God turned it into miraculous life-giving help. So what do you have? Check it out. She came out after the last jar was full, and she went to the holy man again. I think the conversation might have been, you're never going to guess what happened, and Elisha's just standing there smiling. (laughs) Tell me about it. I took that small jar, and I went behind the door, and I poured, and I poured, and I poured, and now I've got multiple 50-gallon drums. What do I do with it? Take it. Sell it. Pay off your debts, and you and your sons live on the rest. How long? A day? I doubt it. How long? Just a little while? I doubt it. What if it's a lifetime? What if her sons never had to work a day in their lives? You don't know that. It's not in there. You're right, but you don't know it either. I serve a lifetime God that provides, who is trustworthy, and who just simply wants me to give back to him what he's given me. So whatever your station is in life on this Mother's Day, what do you have? Whatever your status is as a church on this Sunday, what do you have? And will you keep it or will you give it away? God wants to provide life, what you might be saving for a rainy day. Amen? Amen.